Thoth's Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Hello, friends and listeners. Welcome to this new episode of the Thoth Hermes podcast. Today is September 15, 2019. My name is Rudolf and this is episode number 8 of our third season. For those of you who have come here for the first time, let me say a big welcome to you. And I'm glad that you found your way here. Let me tell you that the Thoth Hermes podcast is presenting in his regular episodes like this extensive interviews of important figures from the Western esoteric tradition to you. We also do once a month a show called Ex Libris, which will always bring you four different books or esoteric events as a presentation. My welcome goes, of course, also to all of you who are regulars of this show. It's great to have you back. All of you, you can find the Thoth Hermes podcast on our website, which is www.thothhermes.com. That is T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S.com. But it is, of course, also present on all major podcast outlets like Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Android, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio and many others. In fact, dear listeners, I would really be interested if you could tell me other podcast outlets where you have found this podcast. So if it is not on one of those I just mentioned, please drop me a line and let me know. It is very interesting to me as a creator of this show to know how well it is distributed. And honestly, I don't have the time to Google for hours to find out by myself, so little notes by you would really be nice. How do you do that? Well, go on our website. There you will find either the possibility for a voicemail to send to me, but also a contact form that you can use and fill in. But you can also drop me a line on Twitter or Facebook or send me just an ordinary email at info at Also, as always, I would be most interested in your feedback about this and previous shows and also in your ideas and suggestions that you might have. So, please, be interactive. It is the 21st century, after all. And while you are on the Thoth Hermes website, I would have a request. As I have told you in previous shows, and I will probably keep telling you also a lot in the future, this show has its costs to produce. I have so far carried all the costs by myself, but now as I'm producing more than earlier, also the costs are increasing. And 
I also need to invest in new hardware and software updates from time to time. So I really need your support. A few of you have already been kind enough to become patrons and I cannot thank them enough. But this has only been a small first step and it would really be nice if you liked the show that you went on the website, click on that Patreon link and started to be a patron there. Support levels start at $2 only per show. If you prefer to do a one-off donation, that is also possible. You will find a donation button on the first page of the website. Click on it, enter the amount you choose completely freely. Any support you can or want to give will greatly be appreciated and will help to carry on to produce this show become even better. Thank you so much. Let me now play to you a message from our sponsor. Anathema Publishing Limited. Quality occult books and contemporary esoterica. Established in 2011, Anathema Publishing aims to provide superior literature in content and form by creating a triune relationship between publisher, author and reader. Anathema Publishing produces refined books for the true bibliophile on topics ranging from Gnosticism, traditional craft, alchemy, hermeticism, witchcraft, to Luciferian philosophy. www.anathemapublishing.com On this episode, number eight, our guest is the lovely and wonderful Josephine McCarthy. She certainly is one of the most important figures in the magical world today. She will be speaking to us from her home in the United Kingdom, somewhere out in the countryside. I have to mention this because the UK internet connections in the countryside are not always ideal, as I have learned by experience in the past. Also here, therefore, sometimes in the interview, the sound quality is not always as ideal as I like it to be. So you might want to listen very carefully from time to time, but it is good to listen carefully to Josephine anyway. I apologize for any inconvenience, but I'm sure that in spite of that minor hiccup, you're going to greatly enjoy this interview with Josephine. But before we start listening to her, I want, as usual, to play a piece of music. This time I would call all three pieces that I'm going to play for you rather femalely oriented music, all performed by women and by great women, and I believe this is perfect in a show that is dedicated to Josephine McCarthy. The first piece we're going to hear is called Mad About You and performed by the Belgian band Hoover Phonic. I have a bit of a hard time to describe the style in which to perform. It was once called a new stereophonic sound spectacular named after their first album. 
This song, Mad About You, was initially released as the lead single for their album The Magnificent Three in 2000. And it is often considered the band's masterpiece and its biggest worldwide success. We now hear a performance of that song they did live at the Queen Elizabeth Hall in Brussels in 2012. So, enjoy Hoover Phonic and Mad about you. Translate it 
Vancouver Phonic, Mad About You. Performed live in Brussels at the Queen Elizabeth Hall in 2012. And now let's go to England and join Josephine McCarthy. Josephine was raised originally in the north of England, but she also worked for many years in the USA. She began her magical adventures in the 1970s, and by the 1990s she was teaching extensively in both the US and the UK. She is the author of numerous books on Western magic and magical subjects, and is also the author of the extensive and free Quareya course in a magical training, of which she is the director. Of course, as usual, you will find all the links to our website, to her books and to the Quareya course in the show notes for these episodes on the Thos Hermes website. After a bit over half an hour, we will, as usual, take a short musical break. And now, without further ado, let us welcome Josephine McCarthy. Here comes the interview. It is really an enormous pleasure for me to speak to Josephine McCarthy today again, and this time here on the Thoth Hermes podcast. It's been quite some time I've wanted to do that again. Josephine, good afternoon to you. It's great to have you on. Oh, good afternoon to you, and thank you for asking me. It's nice to be here again. Uh, it's such a pleasure. I know from your from your biography, from your from the past talks we had, that you have a very strong professional background in the performing arts world. Uh, you were a ballet dancer, and you did a very classical training, etc. And I have. Partly, I was not the dancer, but I was also in the performing arts, in the musical part of the performing arts. And um, I often get the impression also when you look at visual artists, partly, that magic, if I, I was picking the word, but let's say magic and the arts are in a way very much related. So there are a lot of people who have an artistic touch who are working in the occult and in the, in, in, in the, in the magical world uh, and vice versa. What is, what is your experience with that? Would you also see it like that? Uh, what's your personal experience? Well, how, how would you reply to that um, statement? Um. To me, magic and the arts come from the same place within you, um, the same sort of natural facility. Um, and the the energy that you can bridge and mediate through magic, you can also bridge and mediate through the arts. Um, what, I, what I did find, because I, I spent, uh, as I'm sure you know, my childhood and early years um, training intensively in ballet and then working in ballet, training dancers, choreographing. And what I found was that um, if I if I was working heavily on a creative piece, I could, my, my ability to do magic at any great level of power went down. Um, and it was... It was like I had one pot and I had to decide which road I was going to take that pot of energy down. Um, 
and it's it's a different because I don't know if it's the same for other artists or, or performers, but definitely for me, it, it's like if I'm um, if I'm working heavily in magic, I, I can't create. I can't artistically create anything. Um, if I'm in a, a period of my life, which I went through a few times where I had to back off magic, like when I had my children, I could create intensively. And um, when I had my babies, um, I obviously couldn't do magic around them and, and couldn't dance. So I started writing. I used to write poetry. And eventually became a, a published poet and a performing poet, um, sort of on the radical and political side. And I could bring a lot of power through with that. Um, but then, you know, when I went back to dance, I couldn't write poetry. <laughs> it's, it, it, to me, it's like you, you do one or the other, but you're not going to get away with doing them all. And um, in my early 30s, um, I, I was dancing in, in working out in a, in a room um, that I had in my house um, that was special for that. And I had a picture of Sekhmet on the wall. Just It was just a picture. I'd never worked with it magically. And she just suddenly spoke in my head and said, if you give me your dance, I'll give you your voice. And, you know, oh, and, and it was such a deep thing. I just sort of instinctively said yes and agreed to it without really thinking about it. Um, and I was thinking for ages, she's going to teach me how to sing because I sing like a strangled cat. I have no singing ability at all. Um, and I was like, well, that's going to be a bit of a job. And it wasn't. She was giving me my writing voice, which didn't come out until years later. Um, but that was the point. And it, it was the right thing because things were happening in life as well, where it was time to, to pull back from performing, from choreographing for a while. And I never went back to performing after that. I never danced on stage again, um, just sort of around the kitchen in the front room. But I did work as a coach and ballet mistress for a few years after that. Right, right, right. Well, well, that's interesting. It's like, it sounds like if it were communicating hot, right? What you, what you mm. describe. Um, but visibly also within the arts world itself, if you, if you take uh, the writing and the dancing as two forms of expression of creativity. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, as you say that, I think you might be quite right because honestly, I've made a sometimes similar experiences when, and it was very strong when I decided to stop the performing arts two years ago, um, mm. that suddenly I had to rearrange my energy. It wasn't like I could immediately become more creative in another field. I, there was so much going on that I had to change a few things in my life before it was rearranged again. Do you, did yeah. you make that kind of experience as well? Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't an instant transition. It was, it was very slow. Um, but looking back now, each step that I took in life after that encounter that day in the dance room, each single step has taken me a step closer to then becoming a writer and to writing and allowing that power to come through the words. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's like a chess game. Yeah. yeah lots exactly. of pieces have to exactly. move around to get into exactly. the right position. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, 
and and today you know in today's world how people young people think of magic not all of them but you know in the popularization is they think magic you do something and boof it's done yeah yeah, and, you know, yeah. It, it's not like that you know and, it just uh, doesn't and then you go to a party and next day in the morning you if you have five minutes you do magic again yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um but um, you just had some, well, first of all, we have to thank Sekhmet that she spoke to you because that gave us the possibility to have all those books that you wrote later on. Thank you, Sekhmet, because it <laughs> <laughs> was an important thing. No, but to come back to to come back to what you just said about the kids, because I think that's an interesting part. And I also, funny enough, had that as a question later on, but let's take it now. Um I read in several of your writings that you were saying when you have kids, when you have small kids around you, um, that you have to do, that you have to stop working magically, at least for some time. Could mm. you please expand on that a little bit? I find that very true, but also very fascinating and not something that you hear that often. Um, would you mind expanding a little on that? Um, I think there's there's a, a couple of dynamics that come into play there. Um, you know, if if someone's doing very sort of surface magical stuff, beginner stuff, things like that, I, I don't think it interferes with kids at all. But if you're if you're a natural magician or you're you're starting to scratch below the surface and work with something more powerful, um, you, then you have to become a lot more careful, uh, especially as a mother. And, you know, you when a child is born and the, the first few years, is your energy as a mother is heavily entwined with that child. Uh, if the child is sensitive and you're sensitive, it's, there is, people get this idea that we're all very separate and individual and we're not. We, we sort of flow into each other and lap over each other. And if you're doing powerful magic, it's going to leak out to the child. Um, especially in the, I think, it, you know, when you give birth, you know, for us physically, the child is, as soon as the cord is cut, the child is separate. Energetically, it doesn't work like that. And it does take, a, a, you know, a few years, not a long time, but it does take some, some years for that separation to become complete. And um, particularly like with my first child, um, I was very strongly entangled with her. And she was very sick as a, as a baby. And, you know, I could be in another building. And if she suddenly became ill, I would feel it instantly. And it's that connection that magic can also flow down. And there's no such thing as safe, powerful magic. You know, anything that you're working with power has got a risk to it. And when you've got a developing child, um, it puts that child at risk. It doesn't mean that bad things are going to happen to every child that has magic done around them. That's not the case, but it's, you know, you... You don't want to take When you risks. have a child, you don't <laughs> yeah. take heavy risks around right. little children. Right. Right. You know, you don't leave them in a room with an open fire and go out to the right. That's a risk. They might, you might come home and they're fine, yeah. but it's more likely it'll come home and the house is on fire and the kids yeah. died. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, yeah. Would you say that the danger, which is obvious to the child, as we just discussed, but there is also a danger to the mother in the very early days after birth, because she is also energetically and physically um, weakened or open somehow to yeah. powers? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and again, it, it'll vary from woman to woman. It, it depends how sensitive you are, how strong or, or fluid your boundaries are. Um, after my um, first child, uh, it was a very difficult birth. She was early and I had to be in hospital for two weeks. And she was in intensive care in a completely different part of the hospital for, for the first week. And I was surrounded by mothers coming and going and babies being born and stuff. And my energy was leaking out all over the place. And I, I, it just pushed me so far over the edge energetically. I just, I needed to get home, get away from everyone um, and just regenerate. And that, that was very difficult. And so obviously, of course, I didn't do anything magical at, yeah. All yeah. at that time. Because you felt it and you could react to it, but it might be dangerous if someone wouldn't. Take well, it wasn't even a conscious thought. It, it was like, you know, if you've run 30 miles, you know, some, some mm. ridiculous amount, and someone says, come on, let's go for a run. You're just yeah. like, I can't do it. I yeah, just can't sure, do it. Sure, sure, it, sure. It's not a conscious decision of yes or no. It's just like, I just can't do it. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, sure, sure. I think what you're saying is very interesting also in regards to another point I wanted to raise because um, it, to me, they seem very much linked. Um, one of the key phrases in the very first pages of Quarea, uh, again, we're coming to Quarea a bit later in the podcast, but uh, most of the people I'm sure know what I'm talking about, about that school. In that book, you say you have to become at a very early stage conscious of your surroundings of the location you are you live of the influence that the history of the location the geography of the location the the whole structure of the location has on the magical work that you do there and on yourself of course um now i find this again a very very interesting point a highly important point but on the other hand uh rarely raised point i don't know why but also here i would like you a bit to expand on that maybe i didn't express it quite in the way you would I, like me to express it but maybe no, no, you could, I guess could go a bit to you get the point what i mean right yeah yeah well the, the the thing with magic um which a lot of people just don't think about or realize um is that a huge part of magic as as a technique is paying attention to the smallest detail, the smallest shift, the smallest change, um, because that's that's what magic works through. Um, and it's that awareness. You, you're constantly switched on all the time, sleeping and awake, you're switched on and aware. And that's something you have to build. Most people walk through life with absolutely no awareness around them. If they walk down the street, you say, right, how many people did you pass that wore red clothing? They aren't even aware that they pass people. They're that tied up in their own little lives. Um, with magic, you need to pay attention because you're working with power. Um, and that starts with first awareness of yourself. Like, you know, how are you acting? How are you moving around the space? How do you interact and, and what, what pushes your buttons? And then the space around you. Um, you know, what are you surrounded by? What are you sat on? What is the power that's in the land underneath you? Are there dead people underneath you? Is there ancient ruins underneath you? Is it rock? It, what is it? 
because these are all tools also that you're going to work with and, and things that you're going to connect with. You, you, it's, people go on these, these um, ideas when they first get really involved in magic and, oh, I'm, I'm going to work with, you know, this temple. I'm going to work with ancient Greece. I'm going to work with Hecate. But they couldn't tell you what's underneath their own house. They couldn't tell you what spirits are around where they live. They couldn't tell you if there's any mythological stories connected to the land that they live in, which tell you about the power on the land where you live. That's what mythological stories were. They were one of the one of the purposes of them was to tell you, okay, there is this power and it acts like this. And there'll be a whole story around it, but you you pull the story right down and what you're getting is a mechanism and a power switch on and off. Um, and people just don't think of that. And so you, you're doing thoughtless magic in in a building that you're not, you, you don't know if it's balanced or not because you've not paid any attention to it and you've not adjusted it or adapted it. You're on land with beings in it that, you're not aware of that you're not communicating with and then you wonder why you have problems <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah yeah just yeah. It's, it's start with your foundation before you start reaching out for the glamour absolutely absolutely now i am just having a hard time with myself choosing the follow-up question because i have two here and i would like to ask you both so i might jump back to that point okay. here after the first question right and because i think what you're saying is of course true in magic and very much so but that's a thing that even in let's call it the profane world right the non non people who mm. are not being aware of magic or not doing it or it's not none of their business so to speak even them even them they feel the energy of the place and the energy oh, yeah. of the of the time or whatever and yeah. even they don't take any pay don't pay any attention to that so would you agree yeah well you get some that do but the majority of them don't and um you know a good example is is what is politically happening in you know i don't want to get into politics because i'm not a politician and it's a dangerous place to dangerous road to go down but just as an example for this question is um you know we're in a certain political situation in britain if people had been paying attention they would have seen the very early signs of this in 2011 2012 and not just in britain the the deeper um shift that's going on was apparent in various countries in europe because this is not just britain there's Things are changing all yeah, over the world. Of course, yeah, um, yeah. 2011, 2012, if you were paying attention, you started to see the signs then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's the same in magic. There's a slight shift. You notice it. The shift comes a little bit more. You notice it a bit more and start to observe it to see what it is, what it's doing. If you don't do that, you know, you, you can end up with all sorts around you magically that's, that's dangerous for you. And you don't realize until it's too late. It's, it's manifesting itself. There is nothing you can do about it at that stage, which is why the very earliest training in magic is learn to pay attention. To observe, yeah. And mm -hmm. connect with what's around you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Is that what normally is being called awareness or is awareness for you something else? 
Yeah, I'd call it awareness. Is that awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, I go back to that point where I had the other question, but it links in perfectly now with what you just said, I think, because I was going to say, if we take that awareness on a macrocosmical level, or maybe not macrocosm, but not the individual, but a whole people or a whole country, or um, mm -hmm. again, not politically speaking, but um, uh, psychologically, uh, uh, sociologically speaking. Um, if a country or a people is not aware of its groundings, let's let's use that because it's also difficult. It's a difficult a difficult question because it's. It's sure. been abused a lot nowadays, right? Uh, politically mm -hmm. abused. But if a country is not aware of its background, of its groundings, can that also mislead it? I, I don't know if it, I would say it would mislead it. I think if, if you have a nation that's not aware of its foundations, you, you have um, a fragmented nation. Um, where everyone's running in different directions, um, not 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 being aware, not not seeing, not focusing. Um, it, America, you know, America is a new it's a new world, a new society. It's an ancient land with ancient people, with tribal people, um, and people. The majority of people I know in the states can't don't even know who their great-grandparents are or, or, or even where they are or where they were from. And they're certainly not aware of what's in the land around and beneath them. Um, and, and it's just this sort of attitude of, well, I'm here and I'm doing this. And it, and it becomes almost like a, a subconscious way of, of operating. And so it's much harder than for people to be aware, to plug into what's around them and communicate in a way that's diplomatic and not selfish. A lot of people that plug into things in the land and, you know, magically it's from a very selfish point of view, even if they don't perceive it as that, it is basically about them. Um, And this is, these are descendants of people who have flattened the land, you know, killed off people, built huge cities, which is what we all do, which is what humans do. And then turn around to the land and go, oh, hello, I want to be your friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to work out so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it's interesting you're saying that because absolutely, this is without being uh, nasty or naughty at all. It's, it's, it's an obvious example of the, what happened in, in North America, especially. Yeah. And, and, You answered partly the, what I was going for because um, I was going to ask if the UK, I get the impression that the UK as an island and uh, an island that you live on, um, in some way, the, the, now going back to magic, that the magical traditions, the, uh, at least what I see from the outside, of course, I'm, I'm, I don't know it well enough probably, but is much more uh, a grown magical background a grown magical force maybe that's the right word um, I, i think it's more like pizza it's, <laughs> okay it, it's sort of lots of chips and bits and melted and scraps, together 
melted together and shoved in an oven mm-hmm. and then told it's something expensive and special when actually it's scraps and bits and, and melted bits. Uh, okay, I see where you're going now. I, don't get me wrong, right? I'm not talking about nations or whatever, I, but I'm oh, just no, about no, keeping I'm traditions. About, yeah, 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 no, yeah. The, the magic in the land here is, yeah. you know, people from the outside think that there's been ongoing traditions for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. You know, not. the Celtic yeah, tradition. Yeah. Still going, which is all bullcrap. Yeah, yeah, it true. really is. True, true. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is like every other society. You have a lair. It discovers things. It does things. Same in magic. It does things. Develops things, and then it falls away and collapses, and then it all goes quiet for a bit, and then someone starts something else, and and they do interconnect, but but there's there's no coherence. But the land itself here is very powerful in some ways and very tame. It's almost like the land is very used to stupid humans. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, you lot again? What are you doing this time? Where did you go to America? America is a hugely powerful land. Um, and it's not used to humans because humans have only been there a few hundred years in America. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you, you tap into the land there and the land is like, what the fuck are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Got you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and... Uh, uh, because I always think, hmm, I'm doing this podcast also partly, and I, that's why I keep asking that question also, uh, because I believe that, especially the part of Europe where I, where I am, right, the, the, say that the, the, the Central Europe uh, has been like a cradle of what uh, magical work in the 18th, 19th century became, right? You, you could have to yeah. alchemy and all of that Rosicrucianism yeah. and all of that came out of here. And suddenly now we are 200 years, 300 years later. Um, my podcast is in English. Okay. But still people speak English. 85% of my audience is in the US, in Canada and in the UK. And another yeah. 5%, I believe Australia. So 90% is from, from, from that part of the world. And I just always wonder why is this? Um, why has this tradition moved on? I, I don't think it has. I mean, part of it will be a language thing. Um, even though, even though people in Europe speak English, hearing something in your own language is is very different. And there, it's it's yours. It's on your land. It's in your language. I agree. For um, example, when you do rituals, you should do them in your language, even if you speak the yeah, other language. And mm. you know, some of the best magicians I know are on mainland Europe. Um, and, and it, it, I, th- I think what it, what's happening is that with commercialism, it's much more visible in the English speaking world, America, England, places like that. Um, whereas what I'm finding in Europe is you do get powerful magicians, you get very small groups. They're not doing the whole singing, dancing, lodge, book, website show that, the English speaking world does people are just getting on with it and it's also the one thing I mean it's an interesting question one of the things that this sort of sideways connects into it is um, in England when you when you tap into the British Isles England Scotland Wales and you go down into the land as a magician in in vision what you find is this this female power but it's not like um, it's not motherly it's not sexy it's not 
anything to do with a relationship with males. It's power. It's this power of creation and destruction, but it's a female power and, and quite terrifying. When I go to Germany, for one of the few times when I, I first went out to Germany and I was in Bavaria and I thought, well, I've been to Bavaria as a child, but not as an adult. As an adult, I need to pay my respects. And I went into the land and what I met was more, it was a male power. And it wasn't like a male warrior power. It was like, um, I'm trying to find the right political ways to use the right (laughs) words without pissing off everyone. It's sort of like, I don't know, if you think of of the typical 70-year-old Bavarian male, very old-fashioned, you know, the world is a certain way. The wife stays at home and cooks the dinner, you know, blah, 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 blah. Very sort of what, what I would call 1950s Englishman. Um, and it was very much like that. And it was like, oh, whoa, whoa, <laughs> sorry, you know. And, and that also has an effect on how the people who live on that land, how they express their magic because it's flowing through them. The land is the foundation that they stand on and the consciousness and power of the land affects how the magicians operate their work. Most are not aware of that, but once you become aware of it and then you move from land to land and and you look for it, you, you really start to see it, how your magic and your personality to some extent in magic changes mm-hmm. on different lands. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting, interesting. It's funny because I have listed, as I said, a few questions here and and, um, you automatically link to one of my follow-up questions without us having scripted that before. (laughs) (laughs) I can read your mind. Uh, No, but I was going to say, um, what is the aim of magic because a big question I know, but why is it linked to what you just said? Because one could also say, you just said that the land influences the type of magic that's happening there, right? Yes, of course. But on the other hand, magic, isn't it also uh, the other way around and hopefully to a nice extent influencing its surroundings, it's both ways or, or is that the, or are we yeah. only imagining that? So why does it not no, no, happen? It, it, it's a communication. It's two-way communication. Yeah, I would think so. But why? If, is if it- you think about it, I mean, you know, why do magic? Why do we do magic? Who knows? You know? Yeah. Well, Who knows okay. why? Why we do magic? <laughs> okay. I have no idea. End of the interview. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, it it is a conversation. It's a conversation. Magic is communication. It's a conversation, it's sex, it's, it's the sharing of energies, it's the, the swapping of energies back and forth while operating within a pattern that is fate and consciousness. And, you know, it's like everything is all happening at once and you, you're operating within this and constantly switching things on and off and moving and stopping if you know, if you get it right down to the bare bones, as though you could put magic under a microscope, what you would see is like a three-dimensional web 
that's totally chaotic with things whizzing up and down the web and, and connecting to each other and repelling each other and turning off, switching on, all collecting in one area and then all moving apart, which doesn't make a lot of sense to people, but that's what it looks like. And when you're working on a particular land, you're, you're whether you like it or not, you're, you are in connection and communication with that land. You're affected. It's like if you cry or scream next to a baby, the baby's going to wake up. It's the same thing. You do magic, the land wakes up. This is what you're doing. And, and it's a two-way thing, and you can't really stop that. The idea of operating magic in complete isolation is just doesn't happen. Um, and, and this is one of the problems to get through to people when they really start dabbling with magic and think that there's no consequence and that there's no no um nothing to carry or or you know no no that, that it's just done and that's it. it it doesn't work like that it's 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 something that carries on and converses with things and interacts with things and keeps pulling back onto you for your energy until it's completed its path around it, this complex path. it has its cost could you, could anyone also say it like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. And it's like everything, you know, you you walk through town, you know, if you go out shopping, you, you're not in isolation and you come back, you could come back with a cold. Yeah. You know, with a virus because yeah. somebody's passed it on to you that yeah. you've just walked. Yeah. That's how it works. Sure, sure. Let us now take a short break in this lovely talk to Josephine and play some music. We are going to hear the song Innocent Kiss by the also lovely Penelope Houston. It originates from her album The Whole World, which was released in 1993. Enjoy! Thank you. 
Penelope Houston, performing Innocent Kiss from her album The Whole World. Wonderful music, I find. And now we return immediately to continue our talk with Josephine McCarthy. Lots more of interesting aspects and impressions on her points of view about magical work and life in general. At the end of the interview, Penelope Houston will return with another song from the same album. This one is called Glad I'm a Girl. And I am sure Josephine would also say that. Or as she puts it herself at the end of the interview, yeah, woman magicians. Therefore now, yeah, Josephine McCarthy. I'm fascinated by the Bavarian thing. Could you give an example? For example, yes, I fully agree. And I think I do appreciate what you mean exactly how you felt when you were there. Um, I'm 300 kilometers away and it's exactly the same here where I am. Right. Um, right. But how would, how would the magician, the stereotype magician, so to speak, um, be different or work differently or act differently because of that. Can you give an example? Do you see an example? Um, what, what his or her reaction would be to that? To, to understand that I'd need to work with a lot more Bavarian magicians for a lot longer to observe, to see the difference. I mean, it's like, you know, I could say, yes, I mean, I, I know a, a group of Bavarian magicians who are all very different. Um, but there is a common theme that runs through them all. If Is that because of their culture? Is that because of the land that they're on? I have no idea. Is it because of their magical training was similar? I don't know. I, that I couldn't really answer without it just being a, a, a pet theory. I don't know. Yeah, and that would not be you. That I would underline this. No? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you when you first talked about Bavaria right now, right, you said that in the UK, the UK side is much more the magic is much more female, maybe not oriented. You didn't say no. that, but has much a, a bigger female input. Let's put it that well, way. It's, it's, a, the, it, it's a power. It's, you know, if you yeah, the power, exactly. if you paint yeah. in, say, if you're an artist and you paint outside and you paint in Egypt, you're going to paint in a different way than if you painted in the north of England because the light is so yes. different. Yes. It's that sort of level of difference. It's Right. There we are back to arts. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. that okay. background. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a background yeah. noise. So that, that's yeah. how it affects. It's not... Um, um, I mean, it, it, you, you can make it more than that if you intentionally work with the land in a very specific way it is going to affect your magic in a very specific way. But what I'm saying is you can't divorce yourself from that. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. 
Got you. I have one question for you, which always fascinates me about your writings, about the way I also perceive you when we talk now or when I read your little postings on Facebook and so. Um, because you're when one first approaches your work, let's put it that, for example, like on your website, I see a lot of hieroglyphs in the back as a background image, right? You work a lot with Egyptian, um, with Egyptian magic or Egyptian symbol, symbolism. Also, the Quarea book is much, uh, much in there. The Book of Gates, just to mention that one. So there's a lot of things around in your, in your work that one would immediately put into the drawer called high magic. Right. I don't like that expression, but you know, but that's what's being used, right? Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. On the other hand, what we were just talking now for half an hour, um, the land and, 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 and the people and, and male, female, and all those things, of course it's overlapping, of course, but at first, at first sight, many people would put that rather into the drawer, witchcraft, um, low magic, and whatever. <laughs> again, again, I'm saying I hate those distinctions, but they are being made. Right? Sure. And your work is, to me, it jumps at me because it does not do that, because it, it takes those two parts at the same honesty at the same level um maybe i i see that uh, in a bit of a, a distorted way i don't know but you you might correct me but a is do i see it right or wrong and if if so what's your point of view of that and how do you do that why do you seem to be one of the rare ones who does that well the, the thing with all this high magic and low magic is is first it's it's relatively modern is is that concept and it usually comes out of the mouths of people who don't know very much about magic. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing and sometimes a very stupid thing. Um, and this is where you get people who, and I don't want to put people down, but at the same time, there needs to be an honesty about this is there's a lot of people that go into magic, not just because they want to do magic, but because, um, you know, they, they want to belong. They want an image. They want an identity. Yes. They want, to, yes. They want the badge, the robes. They, they want to belong and have a hierarchy and this, that and the other. And so they define themselves in a very specific way. Um, mm. And the neat drawers. Yeah, very neat yeah. drawers. And, and, you know, with yeah. what people call high magic in inverted commas is, is very much the product of um, Freemasonry. Uh, you know, that was the first underbelly from the 1700s where you had the outfits, the hierarchy, the very set way of, of working, because that's how the consciousness was at that time. That's how people thought. And it, it was a major leap forward at, in its time. And other people, you know, that you, and you have folk magic, which is in every country in the world. Um, and that tends to be people doing their own thing. I mean, the whole idea that there were witchcraft covens and, 
and uh, they had cauldrons and broomsticks and outfits and things like that. It's all bullshit. Again, it's, it's actually quite insulting to the memory of the people who actually worked within tribal and traditional and folk magic. And it's this idea of between the savage and, you know, the aristocrat. And the, the English in particular were very good at defining themselves as the aristocrats and everything else as being the barbarian. Um, and so it's that mentality and it's, it's seeped into modern thinking. Um, magic is part of nature. You know, it isn't something that's cooked up in a temple. The temple encloses it and, and confines it and works with it. But it's like saying that air is not natural. Of course, it's natural. It's an element. It's air you breathe it in. Um, and, you know, this, the, it, it does get very complicated because there, there's, there is definitions within magic, but not in the sort of high-low, but as in magic that you work with to develop as a human being, to develop everything around you. Um, and to take some sense of working upon the land, the people, everything, basically. Um, that's one type of magic. There's another type of magic, which is all about the individual and nothing else. I will do magic to get what I want. Now, you know, you can get into moralistic arguments of whether this is wrong or right, which is basically fuck all to do with anyone except the person that's doing the magic. It's their business. Um, but that would be more of the definition, I think, because both styles of those of magic in that way use or potentially can use the most complex rituals, the most natural rituals, the most natural magical behaviours the land, you know, the temple, can be used in any of those. It, it's not the presentation of the magic that does the separation. It's the intent behind it. That is the only difference, is the intent and the focus behind it. Right, right. Now, I hope what I'm at here as a question is not going too stupid, but... Um, what motivates you and of course many of course I, I, but what motivates you in particular for example to be uh, so much taking the Egyptian symbolism as a background or maybe more than um, background the underlying force well it's it, it's not actually the underlying force it is um, inquiry in the course itself because um, if you notice in a lot of my other books don't use Egyptian stuff. It's in the course because the structure is a purely technical. This is the other thing is people have to divorce in their minds the difference between belief and religion and ma magic and technique because they're two very different things. Um, and from a technical perspective, if you're training a magician from scratch to a depth level, there needs to be a structure that that training can sit on top of, a foundation. Um, they need to have lots of different experiences and, and um, go down different routes and different um, traditions. But there needs to be a skeletal structure that the whole thing can hang together with. 
and the Egyptian system is the most stable I've ever come across um, in terms of, of a magical pattern, not the religious belief, but the magical pattern itself is incredibly stable. Um, so hence, they, they work with that and they work with lots of other things as well. But it comes back to that because it's one of the oldest and most stable that has endured for over 5,000 years. And this is why it kept popping up in the minds of magicians over hundreds of years. Freemasons. It's like an archetype. Yeah, right? the Freemasons. Yeah. They worked yeah. with it. You know, you go back 300 years before sure. that. Egyptian stuff turns sure. again. You go 300 years before that. And even yeah. um, when you're looking in early mysticism, um, say, for example, in Christian and Sufite mysticism, without them realizing they were actually using the Egyptian priestly patterns in some of them yeah. without realizing it's because it's so stable. Yeah. It passes from generation to generation. So mm -hmm, that's why. Mm -hmm. Right, right. No, thank you. That's, that's a very, very good point. And again, it brings us directly to Korea because of course we cannot do this talk here uh, without at least talking a few, a few moments about Korea. So Korea, for those of you, uh, my audience who do not know, but I don't think there are many who do not know, uh, is the magical school that um, uh, Josephine has created with others, but she's, she's the motor and the motivator of that uh, online and which you can get in book form, but also online for free, which is a great thing. And it's a great course is just to me it's i hesitate saying it but for me it's the best that i know that's that's around really honestly and um, we're not going to do now a whole uh, talk about korea because sure. that has been done yeah. earlier yeah. but um maybe you would just like to add a bit something out of the experiences you made over the last couple of years with it since we last spoke and what maybe might be future ideas or plans you might have with it just, just maybe just a few words yeah. about korea and, um, you know, it's it's stuff. developing nicely you know students are doing the work and there's a lot of people that start it very enthusiastically and, and then realize it's really hard work so, mm. so they, they <laughs> it certainly yeah, is, they, yeah they tail off it's like if you want to do the real shit it is the real shit but when you do the real shit mm -hmm. in anything it is really hard work um, but there's, there's some that are doing very well in it. And so we're at the stage now of mm -hmm. mentoring people through parts of the initiate section. Um, and we've, we, we spent a year restructuring in the background, um, still mm -hmm. making it secure for the long-term future. Because um, a lot of these things can go rogue. Um, and any teacher can go rogue. So I've made sure that there's checks and balances so that I can't go mm -hmm. rogue, I can't turn into some money-grabbing guru or nut job. There are now checks and balances in the background that would stop me from doing that. And, and I'm not talking magical, mm -hmm. I'm talking legal checks and balances. No, no, I got you. <laughs> yeah, got there's, you. There's, there's, we have a, yeah. a board of trustees and um, we mm -hmm. have a student council. And their job basically is to keep me in check because power right. always needs to be kept in check. And until yeah. there's people who have gone through the whole course who come out the other end as adepts, which will take a while because it's a very long, convoluted course. And it certainly is. as they come out, they become part of the structure itself, the controlling structure. 
so that it can't be locked down, it can't be monetized, it can't turn into a cult, all of these things. There are people who are not magicians who are involved in with the trustees, there are legal people, um, mm-hmm. there are advisors, things like that. So we've been doing all of that, and that took a lot of negotiation and, and um, back and forth with lawyers to put paperwork together to make it legally binding. Sure. Um, and now the next phase for the next for next year, um, we're just in the planning phases. Of, um, for doing events next year. So, like, we want to do a grassroots conference in England, um, mm-hmm. which will not be one of the sort of highfalutin academic, very expensive conferences, but one for the grassroots people. of yeah, Not yeah, only just yeah, magicians, yeah. but pagans, witchcraft, bringing people together to talk about things that we've everyone thinks is important and people talking about their work. Um, because also I think it's important for us to look at, you know, there's, there's so many people, for example, they come, they do the course, uh, or they start the course and say, actually, this is not, this is too much for me. And I don't know where to send them. And I think getting yeah. people into a conference hall where they're talking and conversing with each other, where I can say, well, actually, you know, you're more interested in witchcraft stuff. Go talk to that person over there or you want a more mm-hmm. of a structured course. Well, there's that organization over there. And if you listen to their speaker, see if it fits with you. And, you know, get, get people communicating with each other. We're going yeah. to do. Yeah. yeah. And um, we're also going to have uh, one day sessions. First starting out in England, um, two, three times a year for students where we all get in a room mm-hmm. together for a day. And we talk about, you know, where are they at the work and, and we can talk over difficulties people are having and we can talk on specific subjects and techniques so we and build a community and socialize well mm-hmm. um so we're mm-hmm. doing a lot of we're in the planning phase for doing a lot of that next year so it's basically mm-hmm. putting mm-hmm. quarry on the ground so to speak great um, great well, that sounds good again you're earthing it there as well that's, yeah that's and it does need that and it needs to do Sure. It needs to do that without it becoming going down the back. What we're trying to do is learn all the mistakes that other schools have made. And it's not yeah. to put yeah. the other schools down. It's like we can only do this because they've gone through so much. Is sure. we'll make our own sure. mistakes, but we try not to repeat everybody else's. Repeat them exactly, yeah. exactly. No, obviously, sure. No, well, that that that's that's good. That's very good. Okay, so now I come to a question I saved not for the very end, we are not at the very end yet, but rather for the latter part. So, um, because that comes from a little posting that you made, actually it wasn't even your posting, it was a reply you made to somebody uh, a few days ago on, on Facebook. And it did not surprise me from you at all. <laughs> and it's something that, no, 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 no. Very, very nice. Very nice. And it, uh, it, it just struck a chord with me because I feel so much the same, but I was never able to say why. And I'm sure you know exactly why. And you can now tell us the, the thing was, it, it was about politics, of course, we're not going, it is, it's completely sure. irrelevant. Uh, what's the, political point was it was just somebody was saying well i will do now some magic in order to avoid that this or that 
happens yeah. in regards to politics or in regards to public office, yeah. right? And you would, uh, in your very subtle way, <laughs> say, no, you shouldn't do that um, because that's not what is meant to, what we are meant to to do. Uh, there are certain things where they come to a point, you have to let them go and so to speak, let them flow because they have to sort them out yeah. themselves. Yeah. Right. I hope I get yeah, well, the point that you were I making. remember that. And I, I, yeah, yeah. And I think this is so very true, but I am unable to say why I think this is so very true. Right. So yeah, no. Um, I hope that you, you can expand on that. Yeah. What, what, what was going on there is something that I mentioned earlier actually is, is people not paying attention and so everything boils, yeah. comes to a point it gets to a boiling point and then they want to mm -hmm. do something magically to stop it and it's too late by that mm -hmm. time it's way too late for, for magic to intervene if you intervene with magic at that late stage you're just pouring petrol on the fire you're not helping mm -hmm. at all because it's already mm -hmm. externalized itself um, mm -hmm. and you know if you happen to be a natural magician but you don't know what you're doing uh, and you know a lot of people really don't know what they're doing even though they sometimes mm -hmm. think they do they don't see beyond the immediate action um you can you can make things so much more complicated and difficult for yourself as well because when you do mm -hmm. magic to um interfere with something like this where it's at such a peak point is that magic does ma when you send magic off to do something it doesn't do it just once it will keep on triggering until something has come to an absolute final conclusion and every time it triggers it will draw upon you to to power that triggering Even, if, even later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you've battered it with mm -hmm. something else, it will still affect you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, from a, a, a magical perspective, what you do is when you pay attention and when you see the changes in the very, very early stages, so magically you'd say they're in the inner stages. We were seeing this. There was magicians in Germany, in England, in Italy, and we were watching this from an inner point of view mm -hmm. in 2012 and seeing mm -hmm. it before it manifested out. And that's the level mm -hmm. where you try and do something. And when it's something that's this big, which it is, this is a worldwide consciousness thing, you can't change it. You might be able to, as, and it's almost like homeopathic, this tiny little tweak can sometimes mm -hmm. at just the right point and the right time just nudge things but this yeah. idea that oh well we can do magic and we can stop the government doing this and blah 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 blah, yeah, blah, sure. blah. It, that's sure. more that's sure. films that's fantasy and it's also mm -hmm. ignorance it's it's like the, the analogy yeah. is yeah. some you know there's a smallpox outbreak and someone says well go get the antibiotics well antibiotics don't work on smallpox because it's smallpox, yeah. um, you know by the time you've got yeah. it you're fucked anyway yeah. so don't get smallpox. Yeah. yeah isolate yeah. yourself yeah. you know um yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. i'm not yeah. saying yeah. that that magicians shouldn't be involved with their land their society and everything else Yes, but there are ways to do it and there's ways not to do it. And if you're not sure, then it's best not to so that you just don't make something worse. 
Royers, yes. No, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't have taken it at all like that. Uh, on the contrary, I might give an example why it struck me so much. It was less related to the political problem we are all talking about here, um, but we, it was related for me to another question. All right. The world... In, in my view, in my point of view, I may, I might be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, we are on a track that leads us to serious, serious problems regarding resources yeah. and not just the environment, just let's call it resources, yeah. right? We all know what we're talking about. And uh, I get the impression that somehow it has already a bit gone over the top and we will not be able to tweak it anymore. Yeah. So and at some point you have also as a person who is working magically, you have to let go yeah. and say, okay, there are certain things where the earth or the, the cosmos or the universe, whatever you want to call it has to do its, do its thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and you think, and we are only little ants who can do their tiny stuff, but uh, not much more. And, and in a way, I had also the feeling that you were saying also that little bit, but maybe I was wrong and maybe you don't think what I'm, but, but what, how would you, how would you see that, that bigger, that bigger view, that more macrocosmic view? Well, again, you, it's, it's into complexity because, you know, mm -hmm. there's, yes, there are things you can do. Uh, sometimes it's not right to do them for lots of different reasons. Um, right. In in general, though, especially the people who get on Facebook and go, oh, I want to do magic to stop, you know, well, stop, stop, of course. Them, yeah, stop yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. then they'll get into a gas guzzling car instead of walking down yeah. the road. Do, do you know what I mean? Like yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and, then, and they're not only on Facebook, but they're also in many other places. Yeah, and, and so it's, yeah. it's yeah. like, you yeah. know, yeah. that is yeah. magic yeah. for them. That makes them feel better because they feel like they're doing something. Mm -hmm. That's psychology. That's not magic. Um, yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. If you really <laughs> start looking at magic it, for such serious things like this, you know, we are at tipping points. There's not a great yeah. deal magically that can be done for now, but there are mm. great things you can do magically for the generations ahead of us, if any survive. Is mm. and it's your all your and and it's serious. It will suck you dry, but there are things yeah. that you can do. And if you do that, you can't do anything else because it will take mm. everything that you have. So you have to be willing yeah. to sacrifice a great deal. People get, do, yeah. it, it just fascinates me when people are like, oh, well, you know, yes, I'm going to do this to, to save the world. It's like, knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, yeah. don't expect yeah. to have yeah. a career or have a this or have a that, because that is all you're going to be doing for the next 50 exactly. years. That's yeah, it. Exactly. You know, mm. if you look after mm. your own back mm. garden, look after your own land look after yeah. collect you know get something and look after it if everybody started doing yeah. that we won't have the fucking problems we have everyone wants to yeah. save the world yeah. out there but they don't want to clean up the trash in their own yard yeah 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 absolutely 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 so but what there is that magical saying i don't know if you if you also 
use that or if it's far away from your thinking, but when sometimes and serious people are being asked, what is magic's aim or what it is all about? Some part, and I measure my words, say it's also about healing a wounded world. That's a standing term, right? (laughs) Right. Okay. I knew that was coming. So... (laughs) <laughs> so why bollocks and secondly what is the aim of magic well the the aim of magic depends on the individual mm-hmm. as i said before magic is just power what you do with yeah. that power defines what it's going to do so it's it's what is your aim not not what is magic's aim what what is your mm-hmm. purpose what are you supposed to be doing and that's different okay. for everyone um the the magic that usually the people who come out with stuff like oh well you know magic is here to heal the world the best way to heal <laughs> the world is get rid of the fucking humans kill them all <laughs> that, that's yep. it problem solved oh my god oh my god i hear i hear already the facebook postings we get for that one <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, it's like, I mean, this was a question no, somebody true. asked me 30 years ago in a, in a, a yeah. magical group. And they said, you know, oh, we, we want to call the angels and to, to you know, heal mm-hmm. the world and stop the starving in Africa. And I said, I wouldn't call angels if I were you. Because you yeah. say to yeah. an angel, can yeah. you, you stop the destruction? They'll go, yeah, sure. Blink out humanity. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. Solved, exactly. Yeah. So again, yeah, it, no, it's getting no, away no. from the sound bites and the movies and everything else and to really pay attention and look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Your your yeah. everything you do in life first. What are you adding to it all? In your everyday yeah. life. Yeah. Your nice little house, you know, your 2.5 kids and your flash car, the clothes that you change every two months, you know, all of that. What about the dog? What about the dog? You know, it's all these different things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. And definitely couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm afraid I can't agree more. Yeah. Yeah, And it's tempting to go, (laughs) you know what, angels, go on, just knock yourselves out. Just get it done. It's always very refreshing to talk to you. (laughs) 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 Um, No, um, well, I'm afraid we are already at the end of that hour. It flew away. Amazing. But I would like to leave you the last the last sayings because I don't know maybe there's something you would like to say maybe there's something we we touched and you couldn't really get into or maybe there's something I didn't ask you at all and it's very important for you at this time oh um, I can't think of anything well, now but the only thing I'd say is is like you know seriously if you you I'm sure I piss people off all the time with what I say but often the things that do need to say and even if people you know even if I'm wrong it's important that they're said But seriously, if you want to get into magic or you are doing magic, have a point where you stop and you look really carefully at why you do things, what are they giving you, what are they feeding. Um, And if it's, you know, it's like, well, I'm in this sort of, you know, um, second clan of the great golden temple of the ten gods and I'm the third degree, this, that and the other. If that feeds you, if it makes you feel good, that's fine. 
but understand mm-hmm. that that is not the magic. That is your own mm-hmm. That magic is yeah. just like electricity. Yeah. It can be used for lots of different things. Electricity doesn't care. It doesn't have emotion. It doesn't have thought. It's just power. Yeah. <laughs> Once people get to that and then start thinking about, you know, this is beyond me, therefore I can have an effect on something out there and I have to take responsibility for that. That's when you're starting to grow up and, and think a bit more carefully. And it's not mm-hmm. about morals and ethics or anything like that. It's about just being fucking aware of why you're doing something, what it is you're doing um, and how you're doing it. And if that's okay, mm-hmm. that's okay. If it's not okay in, to you, to yourself, you know, bollocks what anybody else thinks. If you get to that point of thinking, actually, yeah, this is a bit, this is, this is crap. Then step mm-hmm. right back and think, why? What, what is, what am I missing? What, what am I, all right, take the ego off, take this off, take that off, take the other off, take the silly hats off. What do I actually mm-hmm. really, in the light of day, want to achieve? And that's when you ask those questions around the, the, the subject of magic, that's when you start really stepping forward into power. And, yeah. and it's, you know, that's when you really start to grow up in magic and realize just how complicated it gets and that everything can have an effect on something else. So you have to weigh up the pros and cons and the effects and this, that and the other and where it can go and what it can do. And it, it really does get complicated. It's, it's not like, oh, I go up to an ATM machine, put in a card, it gives me money. If I don't have a bank account in that bank and I don't have any money in an account, it's not going to give me money, no matter how much I yeah. pray to it. Yeah. You know, it's getting yeah. past the very basic idiocy and, and, mm-hmm. and stepping forward. Mm-hmm. And yay, women are cultists. <laughs> Let's just get that in at the end. Yeah, yeah, there you are. You had to say yay, that. Yay, women exactly. are cultists. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josephine, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk. Oh, and, thanks for um, asking me. Putting up with me. No, really, really, no, no, no. <laughs> anytime, anytime. <laughs> um, thanks so much, and well, hope to speak soon uh, again. And uh, that's was it for our listeners at the moment. But um, stay tuned. I'm sure Josephine will come back one day on the Thought Hermes. <laughs> thanks for now. Thank you. Bye. If it's a man's world, then I'm glad I'm a girl.
Penelope Houston and her song Glad I'm a Girl from her 1993 album The Whole World. I sincerely think this was a lovely interview with Josephine. I had all the fun doing it with her and I do hope that we will have her back soon on the Thought Service podcast. Once again, I would like to remind you that all the links that you will need to find her work, including the Korea course, which you should really have a look at if you're interested in learning something about magic and the occult. Well, all those links can be found on the Thoughts Hermes website in the show notes to this episode. This brings us to the end of today's show, which was episode 8 of our season 3. It was great to have you with us here today again, and I hope you will soon be returning. Our next episode will be an interview with author, hermetic practitioner and meditation specialist Martin Fox from the United Kingdom. I have known Martin personally for quite some time, and among those of you who are interested in hermeticism, and especially in the works and practices of Franz Bardon, there are certainly many who have already heard of Martin and maybe even followed his teachings. In any case, I promise you an interesting talk. Between this show and episode 9 with Martin, there will be our third Ex Libris episode. It will be released and bring again to you four interesting books you should know about. From Tibetan yoga to Kuranarismo, this show shows us how wide the approach of the esoteric world goes and brings us to the edge of the Western tradition. So I hope to have you back for both for the Ex Libris show next week as well as for our next regular show in two weeks. In the meantime, why don't you go and listen to all the other previous shows that you haven't heard yet. I'm sure you will find plenty of interesting information that you can enjoy there. For today, it is now time to say goodbye. Get inspired by magic, create yourself a magical life and be good to the people around you. Take care, stay tuned, hear you soon.